Good morning, everybody. Wasn't that kids' talk real appealable? <sighs> Thank you. Um, today we are talking about the kingdom of God. In week one of this series, we talked about fear. We talked about how it can control our actions. We talked about how it is often our first reaction, just like Adam and Eve, just like the Israelites. Whether it's hiding from God or hiding from what he wants us to do. We talked about how it can force us into groups for safety rather than being bold in our God-given purpose and identity. We read the story of the lost son, and we talked about how fear controlled or didn't control the actions of those in the story. We talked about how through relationship with God and having the Spirit be a part of our daily lives, we can replace fear with love. And then last week we talked more about love, specifically that to truly love, it takes a sacrifice. And though that might be easy in the big, it's much harder in the small and in the daily. We talked about how it can hurt to love in the small because we have to continually sacrifice our own wants, needs and egos. We talked about how Jesus demonstrated this not only in the big, but also in the small, in the daily. And I also mentioned uh, others who had demonstrated that for me, and hopefully you have thought about those who demonstrate that to you. And today we are talking about God's kingdom. And if I've done my job right, today we will bring all of this together in God's kingdom. A kingdom where perhaps we can be bold in purpose, rather than timid in fear. A kingdom where perhaps once free from our fears, we will be emboldened to love and to love sacrificially. A kingdom where the king, our king, rules and his will is done. Firstly, let's look at what a kingdom is, which can be tricky for our 2020 democratic eyes. In a kingdom, the king is in charge, at least before the year 1215, when the Magna Carta was signed. And as far as I remember, the Bible was written before 1215. So I think we're safe to say that in a kingdom, biblically, the king is in charge. And in God's kingdom, God is in charge. How does the king direct us? Well, it's whatever the king wills. The king's will sets the rules, the tone, the feeling, the doctrine, the everything. So in God's kingdom, it is God's will. So when Jesus says the kingdom of God is like this, he is saying God's will is like this. Often Jesus would start a parable with this phrase, the kingdom of God is like this. Jesus is saying, if you want to know what God's will is, what God wants to happen, what he wants you to do, and what he will do himself, then listen to this parable. Some parables speak specifically of God's kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, and others point to how he would like us to live in his kingdom. And when I say that the kingdom of heaven has come, 
is here and is coming, I think it makes sense because those who have lived in God's kingdom have done what he wills. Those, there are those living in his kingdom doing what he wills. And there are those who will live in his kingdom, will do what he wills. But let me be clear, God's will is not only a wish or an intent for how we should live or what he might want for us. It goes beyond that. God's will is an action. How many times in the Bible does God say, I will, and then does? With Abraham, I will show you, choose you, name you, give you. To Moses, I will do, I will be with you. And Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. I will show you, I will heal you. And notice that God doesn't say, I can. He says, I will. There's a great reference to God's will in the Lord's Prayer. In fact, to me, the whole prayer speaks to us about how we should live, what God's will is for our lives, what the kingdom of God looks like. The parables can be a little bit cryptic. In fact, some would argue that they're designed that way so that only a few people can understand them. Others say, no, they're for everyone, and that's probably a theological discussion for your home group. But the Lord's Prayer, it kind of spells it out to us in clear English. So this morning as I talk about God's kingdom, I'm going to use the Lord's Prayer to do that. And as I go through the Lord's Prayer, As I go through his plan for us, it might not be what you think it is. It might not be how you are living, which might mean, bear with me, that you are not living in God's kingdom. So let's start at the beginning. It's a very good place to start. Our Father who art in heaven. God is in heaven. You are not. God has a perspective that you do not. God's view is different to ours. Heaven is where God is. Heaven is not necessarily a place in the sky. God is all-seeing, all-knowing, all-everywhere. The heavenly perspective is a 360-degree view of all time, all knowledge, all everything. I remember um, getting some feedback after I'd preached at our previous church. Uh, The lady came up to me after the service and said, "Uh, You know, Tim, when the worship was happening, it was like I was in heaven. I was in a field running with the Lord. But as soon as you started to speak, I came crashing down to earth. (laughs) I say, good. This is where you are supposed to be. I mean, in the beginning, God walked in the garden. He didn't call down from heaven. And even when he does call from heaven, the place he speaks to, yeah, is earth. So is our goal some other place heaven? Or is our goal serving, loving, doing God's will? Is eternal life this other place, heaven? Or is eternal life 
freedom from fear. Is grace the key to heaven or is grace the key to relationship? Are we released from the struggle of this world when we die or are we released from the struggle of this world when we bow down to him? I mean, if there was no other place, heaven, no promise of life after this earthly death, would we still follow? Hallowed be your name. God's name is holy. The Ten Commandments tell us this, and most of us interpret that as telling us not to blaspheme. But it goes beyond swearing. Matthew chapter 7, I never knew you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and there are many wonders in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, God's name is holy. Do not use it for our own agenda. Your kingdom come. There are loads of parables in the New Testament, uh, told by mainly by Jesus. And a lot of them start with, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like a father welcoming home his lost son. A brother swallowing his pride. A shepherd searching for, for one sheep, and so on. Your will be done. In John 5, Jesus uh, gave him this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, and he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So here we go. God's will is shown by what God does. God loves you. There are no trick questions, no secrets or signs that need interpreting, no numbers to add up, divide by seven, and then boom, a magic recipe for salvation. God shows us what his will is because he loves us on earth. On earth. Next slide, please. Where is God's will to be done? Where are you called to serve? On earth. Stop trying to leave. Yeah, it would be easy if we could just escape, run away to this other place, heaven, and live without fear. Live with love pouring out of our hearts. But that's not where we are. That's not what you are called to be. It is not God's will. It is not God's example. I mean, the Bible is not a long list of what God has done in heaven. It is a tapestry of love showing all the works he has done on earth. As it is in heaven. So you are not meant to be in heaven right 
now. You are not meant to be trying to escape. You are not meant to be running away. You are meant to be mirroring God's kingdom here as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. And man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So the Bible is our bread. The word of God by the Spirit is our daily bread. But the Bible is possibly the most dangerous book. Because it has been used to defend or incite war, persecution, prejudice, racism, slavery, sexism, and a bunch of other stuff too. And sometimes for the world it can be, and for us, it can be difficult to see what the Bible is good for. I think Peter in the Alpha video sort of touched on that. But in 2 Timothy it says all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And verse 17 is so important because it tells us that verse 16 is for us. But the Bible is designed to be a tool of relationship between us and God and not a weapon that we use against others. The verses are not designed to provide you with arrogance, but with relationship. Have you ever been disappointed in a movie adaptation of a book? I think the reason... (laughs) My son's going, yeah, Lord of the Rings. But, but, you know, we get disappointed sometimes in the movie adaptation of a book because everyone's got a different idea of that story in their head. And when you go and see a movie, you've just got the director's version of that story. And if you've only seen the movie, then you know, won't know the book. So don't follow men or women who stand up here on a Sunday morning. Get into that relationship. Follow the word for you. Well, you may ask then, what is the purpose of the preacher? Well, why, why do we do this? And I'm reminded of a, uh, a quite a small, uh, unheard of football team called Manchester United. And they had a guy in charge called Marino. And he, 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 said, he said to his team, I want you to play this way. And they sucked. They were awful. And then they replaced him with a guy called Solskjaer, and he said, I want you to play your way together. And I think that's the purpose of the preacher, is to encourage you to get into that relationship with God so you know your way, and then we do it together. And forgive us our trespasses. Trespasses against God and trespasses against others as we have forgiven those who trespassed against us. As we have, in the way we have. There is a covenant promise and deal, an arrangement, an agreement being spoken here. How you forgive other people is how God will forgive you. And this type of agreement is repeated in Matthew 7. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. 
And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Lead us not into temptation. For me, the big temptation of Jesus in the Bible is in Matthew 4. When Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After forty, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. I'm hungry after 40 minutes. I mean, this guy. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. But the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift up in, you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. I think uh, the temptation here is to use the Bible, to use the word of God for our own gain. I think that's a very common temptation for us. It's our, it's our temptation too. It is similar to hallowed be your name. The Bible warns us to use the word of God for his will, his agenda, and not ours. But deliver us from evil. What is the evil that we need to be delivered from? Well, it's not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I said it a couple of weeks ago, I say it again today, your fight is not against the other person. It is against the other. For yours is the kingdom. It's God's kingdom. He makes the rules, it's his will. If you want to make the rules, then you are not living in God's kingdom. If you want to say to God, yeah, but, then you are not living in God's kingdom. Go to the next slide. The power. God has the power. It is not by your strength. So stop living in groups for protection or relying on your own strength or the group strength or your spouse's strength or your pastor's strength or God forbid Satan's strength or alcohol strength or gambling strength or cancel culture's strength or political strength or even coffee's strength or any other strength because if you're relying on them then you are not living in the kingdom If you cannot trust God and give up your fear, if you don't trust his strength, then you are not living in the kingdom. And the glory. 
Living in the kingdom isn't necessarily an easy ride. There will be suffering and persecution. But when you live in the kingdom, that stuff don't seem so bad. There is a freedom when you live knowing there is something, someone bigger than you who deserves the glory. I mean, if you are persecuted, hurt, or robbed, and he isn't glorified, that's a shame. But if you are persecuted, hurt, robbed, and he is glorified, that's awesome. Forever and ever, amen. The kingdom goes beyond time. It is eternal. It has come, is here, will come. When you start living in it, is mostly up to you. I'm not saying that living in the kingdom is easy, at least not whilst we try to hold on to ourselves. But I can speak from experience that the more we give up of ourselves, the more we sacrifice, the easier it becomes. I'd also like to acknowledge and also bring to your mind and your heart that each of us are at somewhat different parts of the journey of the relationship. Where you are in this will be vastly different to the person sitting next to you, will be different to your colleagues, your kids or your spouse. So let me make this clear. Grace is an important part of the kingdom. As each of us journey towards this, let us show grace to each other. Because there will be certain fears that we are not ready to give up. Certain people we cannot yet love, maybe ourselves. There will be certain aspects of our lives we will still rely on for strength. But my prayer, I hope our prayer, is that we can show grace to each other as we work through those things, as we give up those fears, as we move towards our purpose and identity in God, as we are freer to love and to love sacrificially, to live in his kingdom. Let me leave you with a word of encouragement Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Thank you.